0: Once again to easing the reader a podcast where we reread uh, robert jordan's the wheel of time and especially right now eye of the world my name is uh, chris mary holtman and with me i have david green and uh, yeah we have i think we have some interesting chapters to talk about here coming up we have the traveling people white bridge shelter from the storm um footprints in air and uh, eyes without uh, pity
1: hmm.
0: we do hello hello there hello hello um, as, uh,
1: as my friend Obi-Wan Kenobi would say hello there
0: <laughs> is that what he would say
1: yeah it's his yeah. favorite it's his favorite thing it's just like it's one of those things that he just said once in the uh, in New Hope as Alec Guinness and then like uh, when he was when you McGregor came on board it was like every single film hello there and there's loads of memes about it as well, which I'm a big fan of Star Wars memes, so it's one of my favorite ones.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm a, yeah no, that's... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too well-versed. I mean, I am a big Star Wars fan, but I, don't, uh, I guess I don't get as deep as, as memes.
1: Oh, I'm all about the memes. <laughs> there's, some, um, there's a growing field of um, Wheel of Time memes at the moment, which is great. There's a, there's a, a subreddit dedicated to them, called wetlander humor and it's just all oh, like uh, memes there's one person that's doing a meme per chapter on it so like as we're doing a read through of chapters he's just doing like are she is are uh, they is just doing a um, meme per chapter and it's, it's quite glorious so far
0: yeah. well uh, do you have any news uh, from uh, the tv production at all
1: we do there's some um, there's been some Big news lately, actually, lots of leaks. It's become very, very leaky uh, post COVID since they started resume filming. They're filming a lot of outdoor bits because obviously they're filming in, in uh, episode order. Mm. So um, the, the leaked pictures, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a clapperboard on one of them which had the 2nd of October, I saw the data. So it was a few weeks ago. So I presume it's when they were filming episode 7. So it's, which looks like it's the very, very end of the wheel of uh, the eye of the world. And uh, so we saw uh, leaked set photos of, of, um, of Rand, which is the first time we've really properly had a good look at him uh, in costume and He looks great. Uh, It looks like he's right from the pages actually, there's one pose that he was doing that the clothes are different, but it was basically the the pose was exactly the same as uh, the American cover for Lords of Chaos, which was a strange coincidence. I don't think he actually meant to do it. It was just one of those things. It was like, you know, boy, it looked very much like it. We saw Agwen uh, uh, with a with a splendid braid. We saw Neneve and her splendid braid as well, um, and a few other things like that. And then yesterday, they released a audio trailer, so it was the first time we heard something. Oh, okay. from and it was a, a snippet of dialogue between Egwene and Perrin. Strangely enough. Um, and apparently it's from something that isn't in the books is what Rafe, Rafe Judkins was saying but it sounds like to me it was because um, you can hear people screaming in the background basically it's that uh, you hear Egwene saying are you ready and Parent says no and then she says neither am I and then you can hear all the screaming and it's like at first, I thought it might have been uh, one of the maybe one of the chapters that we're coming up to. Maybe let's see, let me just check. Because last time I started talking about a chapter that we actually hadn't even got up to yet. <laughs> and, um, maybe let me think. Yeah, I think it is. It might be one of the chapters that we're about to talk to, but I could hear uh, females screaming in the background, so I was like, well, it can't be that. So I think it might actually be Bel- uh, Winter Night. Um, okay, because obviously. In the book, um, we spend Winter Night with Rand and Tam as they have the little um, encounter with Nag, yeah, escape through the woods. But I I remember a and A with Rafe Judkins, who's a showrunner, and he said that we will see uh, Winter a uh, Beltane and Winter Night from the Two Towers perspective. So so Two Towers, Two Rivers perspective. So uh, so I imagine. That we will be. that This bit of snippet was from there. I reckon a trailer's not going to be too far away.
0: Let no, me see what. No, actually. actually, one of my friends was over yes uh, Tuesday, for my wife's birthday, uh, and he he was assuming that um, Eye of the World uh, that it was cancelled because he hadn't heard anything. So I guess if you're not maybe and he's not. I mean, he's obviously probably not part of the Wheel of Time. Uh, Group or anything like that, and he's he he just likes watching TV shows. I mean, he you know loves it all: Dark Crystal, Willow, all of those things. Yeah, but he hadn't heard anything, so I was just like, "Yeah, no, it's not uh, it's not cancelled yet."
1: Yeah, because I, I think um like if if the pandemic hadn't happened, it would probably be, people would have heard about it more because I assume it would have been out at Christmas. Mm. I mean, that was what, I think that's what I mean. The, the Amazon are doing. Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings. Um, so Lord of the Rings, when 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 lockdown happened originally, like the first big one, um Wheel of Time was up to just finished episode six of eight, and Lord of the Rings had just started filming episode one. So if you kind of look at it in terms of that, you you wouldn't want them both coming out at the same time because you know it's, it's similar ground. Um, so you've probably been thinking. Wheel of time Christmas, then Lord of the Rings six months later, and I have it kind of every six months a new yeah. season of both, which would make sense. Um, so, I I think yeah we would we would have been we'd be a month away from it coming out six weeks maybe or something like because like, The Witcher obviously came out at Christmas last year and did really yeah. really well flicks over Christmas, um, but now I think we're looking at probably May or June, and then Lord of the Rings will probably be Christmas next year. So December would be a great time for a teaser trailer because it's due to finish filming uh, the 7th or the 14th of December um, mm. for the entire season. And then I think they're going straight into season two early next year to kind of get ahead of the, the kind of, you know, to, to film whenever they can film. Yeah. I think these days, if it's safe to film, I think they're going to film. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, the when, when lockdown was on, like people were working from home. like Rafe Judkins was saying that, that he'd seen um, you know, completed effect shots, that he'd seen this, that the, the guy who's doing the, the score has started working on the score already. Um, so there's no reason why there can't be... I, I think the, the actor had seen a sizzle reel as well uh, of stuff okay. from the first couple of episodes. So I think mean, they're definitely gearing up for something. I think what will happen is, is they'll... They're going to do another couple of major casting announcements in the next few weeks um, for, like, a few key roles that they've not announced yet, like, uh, especially people that are going to be at the back end of the, of the book, um, including uh, the dark one as well. I think they've not cast him yet, but, again, he's been – Rafe Jilkins has said that his, his film scene, so, like, you know they know who he is, he's been cast. So I think that'll get announced probably when they finish filming, and then around Christmas week we'll get a trailer, and then the hype will start with it. Then because, like you know, it's like you say, it's difficult to build hype for stuff at the moment because of yeah. the way the world is. Um, obviously, a lot of like Comic Con and all that kind of stuff was cancelled. Yeah, and if like you know, if the schedule had been kept up, um, there was Dragon Con as well, which is like the and Jordan Con, like which are big kind of. Um, Real time usually has a massive presence there. So something probably would have happened there, like in terms of like a first look or or even like a sneak peek at the first episode or something. Um, But obviously, you know, people had to change all the plans and everything. So yeah, they've got a lot of advertising to do to get the word out there because if everyone who read the books watched it when it comes out, it'll, it'll do all right. But like, you know, they want people that have never read the books to... To watch the TV series yeah. like Game of Thrones, the reason Game of Thrones was successful wasn't because people who read the books watched it; it was because people who watched the Sopranos and watch NFL watched yeah. it. <laughs> and that's what that's what we need for a Wheel of Time as well. Like yeah. the fans will they take it so far.
0: I think uh, I think it'll be a little bit more difficult for the Wheel of, for Wheel of Time <clears throat> because it has a little bit more magic. Um, yeah, you know, obviously Game of Thrones worked because it's more of a it was more of a political. Thriller, set in a fantasy world, Um, and also that it was written. I mean, basically, as we talked about once before, it's it's so obviously written for for TV from the Mm. beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one, all right, because like it does like the the first, the very first scene of Game of Thrones, the TV show, like is the prologue for the book, which is very kind of magic and has that you know, the, the others as they're called in the books are, or the White Walkers as around the T V show. And then it kind of just goes away yeah. for for years really. <laughs> like, you know, um, it, it's just like magic is just like and dragons are dead. You get the the egg you get the uh, the the eggs that come in halfway through and they're like, well they probably won't the, the uh, they, they, they probably won't hatch or they'll be dead when they hatch or whatever because dragons are dead and there's no magic in so it's, it's like that's the way it is for a long time whereas with real yeah. time like it's it's in, it's um integral to everything in the show like you know um, it's it's there right away so it's it is one of those things where it's like even if you think about like the biggest fantasy properties that have made it as tv shows or are, are um films like even Lord of the Rings doesn't have a lot of magic in it.
0: No, like it it's
1: very, very soft as well, and it's kind of, you know, Gandalf can do some stuff sometimes, but like he's when you read the books and all that kind of stuff, you 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 understand that they're, they're not allowed to kind of, they're only there to kind of like cheerlead and motivate people. They're not allowed yeah. to kind of act themselves, which is a, a great way to get around not putting much magic into it. But there's there's, oh. there's, there's, there's like magical creatures. Um, magical kind of like you know, fantasy kind of leanings and stuff. But there's no like overt magic. Um, in fact, the film added some in. Like a, that, it's a beautiful scene. The bit where uh, Faramir and them lot are trying to get back from Skiliath, and, and Gandalf rides out, and yeah, staff held out, and the, the the with the light. But all it is is light. It isn't anything. But it's it's not in the books. Like it doesn't happen in the books. Um, so it's very kind of like, they, they, they try and hide it. Like the Witcher has done well. Um, but that hasn't, that, that, that's probably the most kind of one that's kind of that like sticks in my mind, but it's like, it's has a lot of magic in it and people have kind of embraced it. So maybe like it's the right time for it to do it. Maybe tastes are changing, but definitely yeah. before this point, anything that was like overtly magical was kind of seen as a bit kiddish, I think and, and, mm. and was rejected by audiences. I think one of the big things is, is that because it, a lot of times it looks rubbish on screen.
0: Yeah that's I think that's the big deal because if you <clears throat> even if you look at like Willow where the main character is uh, a wizard or magician doesn't actually have that much magic in it until the no. end and it's basically <laughs> have more to doing her ritual yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, and like what most of the magic that's done is always levitation yeah
0: but <laughs> well, she, do she, she does she does she does turn like all the soldiers into pigs
1: she does yeah yeah so it's very kind of like um vis- easily visualized, visualized yeah. it's like levitation or um lightning
0: the- lightning the- is common
1: same as star wars i mean willow yeah. is basically star wars a fantasy like an even more fantasy because star wars is fantasy like an um, Willow is, an, is almost the exact same story as as as, uh, as our three Star Wars films put together. It's very very. It has the same tropes. It has the same character tropes. Um, it has the same morals as well. And even then, the magic system is practically the same. <laughs> like the force is the same. Like and and in those first original films, all the force is used for is um, lifting things, mm. lightning and jumping a little bit higher. <laughs> like, that's pretty much... All. And mind tricks. So it's all stuff that can be, like, easily done on film. Like, when you kind of, like, had stuff that's a little bit more, like, um, like Harry Potter is probably the 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 big... Sorry, I completely forgot about that, even though we were talking about it off-air before. Harry Potter is the one that's, like, kind of got a lot of magic in it, obviously. But it's a kid's property, like, yeah. or They did a good job of kind of... Um, Putting that on screen though, because you have that kind of, you have that visual aid of a wand, so you know when they're about to do magic, and it has like the color scheme and all that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe that's you know maybe uh, so, so Wheel of Time's at a disadvantage because you don't have that wand aspect, but you do have the color scheme. And like obviously with the Wheel of Time, where it needs to kind of, and I'd, I'd love to see how they're gonna they're gonna um, deal with this, is that. Only people, only women can see women channeling. And only men can see men channeling. And if you can't channel, you can't see either of them doing it. So, like, you know, how are they going to do that? How are they going
0: to tackle it? Because I'm thinking that you have to buy glasses <laughs> yeah. to wear, and only men can wear the blue yeah. glasses, and the girl, the women can wear the pink glasses. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you can only see.
1: That'd be, that'd be good. Because, like, <laughs> because like if you take it as it is on the page it's basically a bunch of women just staring at each other like really like really concentrating at each other with nothing else happening like it's a battle of wills like when it comes to it and the fighting um, and then like obviously later on in the series it's a bit more kind of bombastic as as a as something's happened with with no kind of like spoilers talk for it or anything but um even still, like there's no like if, if it was you or I just walking past a couple of channel, like female channelers, we just think they were just staring at each other. You know, like and if there was nothing going on, like or something might move and we were like, oh, they must be channeling. So, like, how are they going to visualize this is something that I'm very, very intrigued by because like you could do hand actions, I suppose, to make them look like they're weaving something, but even then that you have to have something there you know what i mean you can't you can't just be wiggling the fingers
0: like this uh, my fingers so speaking of that i mean i think that isn't that what terry pratchett in a way with going back to what we were talking about before about not magic not being so abundant in fantasy movies isn't that what i think terry pratchett kind of hints at in his books because the wizards in uh, in the disc world they don't use magic because yeah, they're, they're so po- they're so powerful, they don't have to. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all professors, aren't they? Yeah, they're and all...
0: they don't want to use magic because it's such a bother. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then the witches they use something called hedology, which is like everybody knows we can turn you into a toad if we would like to. Yeah. And they use that that fear in people to control them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose that's what the Ice Die do a little bit as well. Yeah. Because obviously with the Aes Sedai they have um, rules that they have to that they're bound by. It's not no. even that they, that they they choose to do it, it's that they're, they're bound by them. Um, so they can't they can't tell they can't lie, although they can creatively tell the truth and get around it. But they're only they can only um, use the one power in self-defense. They can't attack people or, unless it's shadow spawn. Um, but I, I, as I said before, a lot of the stuff that I write, I'll always put like a little homage into things about Wheel of Time. And my, my fantasy series that's coming out next year, I have one of the characters saying that, like, someone says something like, "Oh, you know, you don't you, like, you, we can't do this because of the rules," and it's like, well, they don't know we can't do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, that, that's kind of one of those things. It's like that you see that the. the the fear of people when they're around ice Sedai die that they don't trust them like even though they have these rules and everything mm. they still they're still not trusted and like you know many people think that the shadow spawn themselves uh, which is uh, always was something that was like interested me like i like that a lot about wheel of time that kind of chinese whispers yeah to it that kind of like just goes throughout the whole world because it's not just like it's not just one country. Like a lot, like when you think of Lord of the Rings, which has got a great world, world building, none of their, um, even with the elves, and when you compare the elves to the humans, they don't act that much differently. They don't no. have much different beliefs either. Like they all know that Sauron is evil. They all know, not a lot of them think he's gone, but they, but they know that he'll come back and they all know he's not to be trusted and they all know he's, he's the enemy and all this kind of stuff. Um, and everyone's on the same page about that. Even like hobbits know about it and, and all this kind of stuff. And there's a little bit of mistrust of like neighboring towns and, and different families, like that kind of small town thing that you get. But with a wheel of time, because it's a whole continent, and it's even probably bigger than a continent. Like it's different races and different cultures. You have this whole thing where it's like all oh, this history has been garbled in that is in the mix somewhere, and people uh you know people have that real kind of like ideological differences with each other that you would have like in different countries that are on the same continent and everything which is something that doesn't really happen a lot in, in a lot of fantasy you just basically have like good versus evil yeah and then you have a few gray gray areas and that's kind of it whereas this one you have like people that you know we'll talk about the white cloaks a little bit and, and we'll talk about the traveling people you know they're um the traveling people are, are good people like you know that they're, they're essentially very very good people and they have like this way of life, the way of leaf, where they will not act in any kind of violence even if no. it's in circumstances which is which the book then goes into and, and Perrin who is probably like the out of the main characters is probably the most kind of peaceful at heart even, he has, even though he has this struggle inside of him where he has like you know this the, the wolf side of him and everything he has this struggle. He longs for like a peaceful life, but even he can look at it and go, well, it's all well and good thinking that way, but the world isn't like that.
0: Yeah, he, he does say, and we can, I mean, we can might as well just jump into the first chapter here, traveling people because we're already in there Yeah, because he does say it as I'm like, but if somebody wrongs me, I will, you know, I will yeah. deck them basically is what he says. Yeah. He doesn't understand how you can live that, that way.
1: Um, I mean, that's the that's where it's it says like you know that way kind of way of life causes problems not just for them but for other people as well hmm. because um you know they're I wonder if we'll see this more in the TV show They're in the two rivers during uh I, I, they are in the two rivers during winter night aren't they? they're there yeah. as well we're they? bound there. And they're having to be protected by people because they won't fight. Yeah, and it's like, it's that kind of thing. It's like, well, they're they're trollocs, and that that it's it's the pure <laughs> evil attacking people, and you won't defend yourselves against pure evil. And that's because you don't believe in violence, and that you and you believe in passive passivism, and anything that violence breeds violence. That's great, but you're putting other people at danger because we're having to protect you. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that is it because essentially what happens is uh, Elias. Uh, Egwene and Perrin, and uh, these five chapters that we're talking about now are very Egwene, Elias, and Perrin heavy.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, basically, every other chapter is about them, mm-hmm. and basically, every other chapter, but it's the same thing basically happens, <laughs> except for in the end.
1: because, yeah. like, the other, the other chapters are just like, um, and again, this is something that has to change during the, during the TV shows, but particularly, um, particularly Moraine and, um. Land and, and the Neve side of it because they're basically let's go over here oh they're not there we'll go somewhere else oh they're not here we'll go somewhere else uh, <laughs> that's changed because that's really bad TV like it's, it's it's bad um it's quite bad storytelling in general like it's 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 taking away a lot of agency from those characters and kind of making them seem a little bit ineffective really which is something that you have to be you have to be careful with yeah because I
0: reacted to that because my asks Moraine like well, where are they? Marine's just like, well, some of them are survived or they survived. They are around here. Well, who is here? I don't know. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) It has to change. I I have an idea. When we talk about those chapters, remind me, because I have an idea of what I think is actually going to change in the TV show there. Mm -hmm. Um, The random um, chapters are more effective for me because I know it's like kind of like similar, but like that on the road kind of thing. But I think they're really good character development um, chapters particularly with Matt with what he's going through um, and Robert Jordan does a really interesting thing with with time in one of them as well um, but it, we may not be up to that actually I don't think we're up to that one yet I mm. think these, these next ones until they, the until they get to a certain point kind of um, mel, mold in my mind a little bit but yeah the traveling people is there's, there's a big um, there's a big emphasis on on some development for Egwene. I mean, Egwene's had quite a lot of development through the book so far anyway. Um, But Heron hasn't. And this is like a welcome um, interlude for him to kind of get to know a bit of the character. And actually to find out what kind of character he is, like not even just get to know him, just to kind of give him some characteristics beyond being big and gentle.
0: Yeah. I think that this was interesting because obviously the traveling people are supposed to be Versions of actual travelers. Yeah, I I don't think we'll use the the G word here. Mm. And I mean, travelers are, as I know, abundant where where you live.
1: They are, yeah, yeah, they are,
0: yeah. They're uh... Uh, and I mean, we have quite a bit. We have different kinds, actually. We have both the 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 Romani travelers, and then we have travelers that have been around in here in Sweden longer that are more. Mm integrated but are still travelers it would probably be closer to the kind that are in ireland i think what was interesting here is that obviously robert jordan introduces a whole new type of people kind of talk about their way of life how they live and once again elias he kind of col- tries to well he colors uh, the perception to begin with uh, his perception on the travelers because he doesn't trust them he doesn't like them Yeah, they seem to know each other from before and he's like well you can't change my ways I'm not going to become this peaceful guy so he has a history with with this group of traveling people and what I think is kind of interesting here is it's the not the I think it's the kind of like the first time where Robert Jordan does a little bit of social commentary Mm. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think
1: so. Like, um, it's definitely like he, he kind of twists the kind of um, real life kind of what people think about uh, travelers, or you know, the the G word as as people used to call them. Probably at this time, that's what they would probably work on. It's funny that like he called them traveling people, and now that's the, what mainly what they're known as. Whereas yeah. back <laughs> this, they would have been called something else. Where um, he kind of take the he took those tropes of them being untrustworthy. Um, unruly people that would like steal and rob children and all this mm. kind of stuff and I said well no that's that's not true but also they do steal children because their way of life appeals to certain people and it, so it's so it's not like they're actually actively going to like places and like stealing children as what well, like you know was the kind of uh what people used to accuse real life like traveling people of doing it, and what people are travelers are accused of being in in real time but it's because like you have people that see their way of life and they see like the 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 food that they have and the dancing and the carefree kind of thing and it appeals to them and they want to become that way and they do have that kind of um that thing where it's like Elias has this deep mistrust of them because he I think he looks at them and it's like a mirror to himself where he sees himself as being this violent person. And he, what I get from him, and I definitely get this from Perrin, is that they accept that violence is part of the life and part of the world and they may not like it. And and when they see the travelling people, they like that aspect of themselves even less. And they would like to give it up, but also they don't want someone to tell them that they're wrong and try and convince them of it because like, this is just the way the world is. Yeah. And like, you know, um, the, the the background between the, the traveling people and Elias is that like they've obviously had these conversations where they have tried to convince him before to change his ways and it's like it's not gone very well. And, um, you know, you have, you have that thing the other way as well because like the grandmother is very kind of mistrusting of Elias as well. Like she'll extend the, 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 the welcome to him and, and like, you know, they'll, they'll go by there like kind of um uh you know the way that they treat people that she, that she extends the same welcome to him but she she makes it clear that she, he's
0: not welcome at the same time
1: and she'd rather him not be there because of the way he is
0: um yeah and that's interesting and i, I mean in in that aspect because if you look at it out of, out of a, a um a literary perspective it can be sometimes difficult for people to to pinpoint what what the purpose of, of fantasy literature is. Um, and a lot of people will say that it's just like some kind of escapism, like an adventure story. Um, whereas I think today we know a lot more. I mean, the, the, the aspect of where the, where it comes from, uh, is that uh, fantasy is always about the heart's desire. What it is, what do you want? What do you want to change? What is your desire? And that's, what's the, the essence of, any fantasy story. if you look at like early, like uh, E.E. Edison and his The Worm Robberus, it's about, you know, a nobleman living in the 20s, seeing that the world has changed and nobody cares about nobility anymore. And that's his desire. So he gets transported to Mars where there's a war between witches and demons and he finally gets to be a hero. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the same as like with William Morris and the first fantasy book the well beyond the woods it's like this guy named golden walter who is like completely mistreated by his horrible wife and he escapes where he gets to become a hero and save a princess and fight an ugly dwarf uh which is basically what that story is about um and even lord of the rings which is about you know the yearning for a simpler time um looking at you know industrialism and you know seeing a world on fire and and kind of like yearning for peace and balance in the world so mm-hmm. what do you think what do you think wheel of time is about or as uh, say eye of the world what the is world. it that jordan is yearning for um i think the eye of the world has
1: a big um i mean when you Obviously, it has its its influences and everything like that. But when, when you look at it, if you look at the history of how he started writing it, and it was about a man coming back from war changed. Um, that's why it was originally about. Then obviously, he changed the age around. And it was about boys going to war mm. um, and seeing the world in a different way. And I think that's kind of his... And I think that the, the, the traveling people with that kind of philosophy of the way of the leaf... Um, and this kind of and this chapter really delves in yeah, there's a there's a massive philosophical philosophical discussion during yeah. this chapter about about uh, life generally and 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 all that. I mean, and so I think if you take all that into account, um, you can't really ignore that Robert Jordan was a Vietnam vet veteran, no. and that's like has a huge um bearing on this story. Like, maybe, like, he, you know, regretted going to war. I don't know. I've never read anything about it or seen anything, but maybe he regretted going to war. Maybe he didn't want to do it. Maybe then that's what this story is about. Like, it's how war changes people. The people go from what background they've been in and they're exposed to something differently and how it changes them. Because every single character, um, especially the male ones in this story, like, it happens more with the female ones later on in the series, but Rand, Matt, and Perrin. Are all very, very something significant happens to each one of them during this this story, um, and changes them from once they've left the home, yeah, um, and gone to to war, I suppose, um, and obviously there uh, the the the, tink, the, the uh, tinkers as they call them in this as well, traveling people, that that chapter really kind of um, pulls into this quite heavily because it is like a set of people with opposing views sitting down. Well, mm-hmm. you have Elias and the, and the traveling people that have these opposing views and they're talking and you have Perrin and Egwene uh, in the middle that are kind of sort of on the fence about it. And they're kind of like trying to see who is right, basically with this. And at the end of the day, there is no right answer.
0: No, and I think that's interesting because that kind of comes back. You know, you set the discussion uh, in the traveling people chapter and then in the following chapters, you can kind of see how how Perrin deals with that and his own thoughts about it. And We even get to go into the minds of uh, the wolves a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is an interesting aspect. It's kind of like reading a Dean Koontz novel. There's always <laughs> like a chapter of a dog what yeah. the dog thinks about things.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the um, there's a few, there's a few interesting bits of this chapter anyway. Like even like the um, the uh, the. The old kind of name for the travelling people, the Tuathan, is obviously based on Irish. That's what mm. the Irish fairies are. What actually, were gods were called, the Tuathan Um So that like, that's something to bear in mind. Actually, later on in the series, when we okay. introduce a different uh, group of people, um, just remember uh, how how when 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 they come in, just you, you'll see how they're described, and they'll you'll be in mind of a certain race of people straight away just remember the name of the traveling people their actual name and and then you can kind of you can see
0: some hints of of something there interesting because that's i think in willow that is one of like the magic the words he uses yeah tuatha tuatha
1: tuatha tuatha yeah
0: yeah he uses when he's uh, trying to transform
1: yeah it pops up everywhere like you know people (laughs) People think of them as like the fairies and Faye and everything like that, but they're actually like they were. That's what the uh, the gods in Ireland were. <laughs> that's, that's that's who they were. Like you know, um, but like people think of them as Fay these days. Obviously, as well. Like in this chapter, then we're we're introduced to um, the concept of Do you know the song?
0: Yeah, that was. I like that. I like that aspect.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's been mentioned before as well. If you remember from the prologue.
0: Oh, okay. No, I didn't think of that. It was just that it was uh, so, so um, I guess, less convoluted in this
1: one. Yeah, well, in, in the prologue, remember when, um, uh, loose Ferry is just wandering around, and then mm-hmm. uh, Bowles appears, and he says, "Are you here for the singing?"
0: Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, so it's a little bit of a link there. What, what do you think the way that the, the song is? What do you think? Do you think it's just like some kind of uh, tradition, or do you think it's actually something?
0: no i well when i was thinking when i mean obviously now you're asking the question in a way that i you, you want me to think a different but when i was listening i well, i was reading it obviously i was thinking that this is kind of what the travelers do that's the reason why they move around kind of looking at a religious aspect you know why do the jews not eat you know pork or why do the jews no longer sacrifice humans you know mm-hmm. it's a it's like a, this is the reason why we move from place to place,
1: looking for the song,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So and it's been like that forever. So that was kind of the aspect of it, uh, that I was thinking of.
1: Well, I think you'd be right in that thinking. Do you think the the song is an actual tangible thing though, or do you think it's just a a concept? No,
0: I think I mean, understanding that everything in the uh, eye of the world so far has a deeper meaning, I'm thinking that it is going to come back into play. silence <laughs> <laughs> when when i read it i figured that it was just the reason why they moved yeah. around
1: um also in this chapter actually the the, the uh eel I, I mentioned as well which is very interesting so the eel are uh are people that live on the other side of uh, the the spine of the world and there's yeah. you talked about how like you know uh, the travelers are are able to cross the Silk Road and, and trade with them and no one else is allowed to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a that's that's interesting that they're brought up, but that's something to to consider as well as we move on into this into the series. The uh the, the AO come into it in a a very big way.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I reacted to, <clears throat> and we've talked about this before, is that the travelers have or the traveling people have mastiffs. Yeah. But which mastiffs. I took a little Umbrage too, because obviously mastiff it wouldn't have been a word that would be used in this world. Just like Jamie Lancaster wouldn't be actually named Jamie Lancaster, since castor castle is a Latin word. Yeah, 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 and it wouldn't have that last name.
1: That happens a lot, though. Like as well as things that like kind of get snuck by. I think in the editing process, because I remember when. um, Star Wars mentions chicken in one of the books. Some people are like, there's chickens in Star Wars now. And it's like, must be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's just... what
0: I try. I tried to in my the one book that, that you read. I tried to create like my own type of like livestock, just giving them a different name. They're obviously cows and they're only really mentioned mm. in passing. But Obviously, they wouldn't use the word "cow" or bovine,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right well it, it, in terms of wheel of time um there may be a reason why there's there's mastiffs, okay, as well. just just uh, just to think about that
0: <laughs> well, I was thinking like Pierce Anthony, for instance, he uses a lot of um real world references in his Xanth books. But there's a reason for that because Xanth is like next to Mundana, which is our world. Yeah. So it's like um, next to our world. So they have influences. They some of some people know what our world is.
1: Yeah, well, um there isn't a there isn't a different uh Earth isn't a different planet in in the wheel of time, but the, the, it may become it may start becoming a bit more clear to you um, okay. as we move into. Actually, there's been little, there's been little hints already, actually. I think um if you go back and read some things, you might you might pick up on a few little things already. Like there's a little there's a few little hints here and there about what's going on. It's a nice, it's not it's nothing like majorly integral, like it mm-hmm. doesn't add bearing on the story whatsoever. Actually, George actually i might just say it because there's no it actually has no bearing whatsoever on the story like it's not a spoiler or anything like that basically the um, wheel of time is our future it's set it's set on earth
0: okay so it's like it's like shannara
1: yeah uh, kind of but like not like where they're walking around and there's like skyscrapers and no, there's no. Like cars and nothing like but like you do there is a bit where they go to a museum later on in the series and um they, there's a there's a mercedes-benz emblem there. <laughs> there's like there's a few bits where like it's already been in this book already where like Egwene's asking tom to tell stories and she asked them to tell about how uh merc and what's the name they use for russia anyway merc and something uh sending uh things off into off to the moon it's but it's the space landings the space race oh, okay. They talk about uh, Queen Queen Esbeth, uh, which is who is the ruler of the world, that's Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. There's actually in the later books where um, they uh, they go to an inn that's called the Three Rings, and Rand says that like, oh, it reminds me of one of my favorite childhood books. So like it's uh, it's it's in there, it's like it's part of the kind of tapestry of it, but it's not integral, like it doesn't it doesn't have any bearing on it or anything like that. But basically, like this is the third, the third age. So we have the age of, um. So the second age is obviously the one before us. Then we have the first age, which is like completely lost to, to memory. But most people think that our age is the seventh age, because obviously it's a it's a it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing that comes and goes. So like at some point, like when it when our age turns back into the first age, might be the point where we rediscover the one power or something like that. Right.
0: Mm.
1: Like so. um, yeah, so like that's why like there's some things that kind of uh suppose, suppose how he gets away with like kind of later on in the series where it's like if someone says, Well, you know, there's a lot of Arthurian stuff in this and there's a lot of this, and it's like, well, it's part of the same history. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, uh, well we'll move so, on to next chapter, I think, because I mean there are obviously of, things or a couple of
1: more things in this chapter that are, that are important. So when is when they talk about the Aeol, anyway, they talk about how um, they found they're dying Aiel and they talk about how a uh, leaf blighter wants to blind the eye of the world and slay the great serpent and they're told them to get ready for he who comes with the dawn mm. so you're getting a lot of like world building and prophecy yeah. and stuff there for what's going on but from a different set of people who we haven't even met yet <laughs> you kind of learning about what they kind of things and then we're also introduced to um like Perrin is Troubled by this because he has had the dreams. Yeah, with figure they've mentioned I have the world as well. So he knows that they're all in kind the of Titan, and we're introduced to Aaron again, who is uh, trying it on with Egwene a little bit, and Perrin's a little bit kind of. But are you, you're, you're Rand's girlfriend now. Yeah? You're supposed to be Rand's girlfriend.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I like that because there's this. Isn't there like a talk about like um, they're going to teach. Teach uh, Egwene how to be a woman.
1: Yeah,
0: and that's also like, what's going on? <laughs> what's yeah. going on
1: here? Yeah, what is this? What is going on here? Like Egwene's a funny one because it's like any like she's like a chameleon. Like, any kind of situation that she's put in with with new people, um, she just like takes whatever their way of life is and just adopts it. Like And then she'll just shed it just as easily as well, yeah. like leaves them. Um, it's one of those things that people either like, people like about her, or some people don't like about her. Um, I don't know, how do you feel about that? What do you, what kind of... No,
0: I, I like, I like it because I think, I can, I, I can, I would kind of assume that I feel like I know where this is, where this is going. If this has been like a TV show, in the 80s or 90s where each season is basically years apart from each other so you get like this whole like one season this stuff happens and then the next season comes and there's been like a year in between um, and people have developed and I could like I would not be surprised if Iguain, you know because we were talking about this whole Rand Iguain uh, Mm -hmm. chemistry yeah. Like are they going to be together? Or are they not at this point? I'm feeling yeah. like no, they're not going to end up together, and she's going to go her own path, and she's going to have her own like romantic entanglement. I wouldn't be surprised if, like in a couple of books, she'll be married to somebody,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: because there you can see and and that was that's the difference between a couple of chapters ago where it was like, yeah, this is the naive um the princess in the black cauldron story. It's obvious the Terran end. Are going to be together. Yeah. Whereas um, now it's not as uh, now it's not as obvious.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It kind of um, it they don't. Yeah, it kind of drops it pretty much straight away, doesn't he? Like he doesn't really kind of like keep any kind of uh, pretense that there's something that's uh, that's going on with with them at all. Like even like. Um, even with like parents' reaction to it, it's kind of like, aren't you supposed to be with Run? Like it, <laughs> you know. Like it's like they're not even that kind of. But um, it's not. They're not they're, they're, he's not even that kind of like convinced about it. either. like it's not something that, it's not something that's like is very very terribly invested in throughout the whole story. Like Robert Jordan himself, like is not. And it's. I think it's one of those things again that ties into the theme of the book, where it's like if they'd all stayed in the two rivers, then, yeah, they probably would have ended up getting married and had a Mm. perfectly happy life and everything. But because now they've been introduced to, like, this kind of, like, wider uh, vista of what the world is, their horizons have changed already. And, like, Egwene being Egwene, where she's able to kind of, like, adapt really, really easily to different situations and different places, she's already kind of like, well, that was my life, but it's not my life anymore, and, like, I'm moving on. And like Perrin, isn't like that, and he's kind of like, and neither are the boys really, and that's why they had that little bit in a previous chat where Egwene took took a braid out of her hair, and yeah. like Rand was like scandalized by it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's um. Well, now we can move on. Maybe we could because uh, then it's Whitebridge, which is Rand and uh, and um, and the boys. Well. The Gleeman the boys. <laughs> the yeah, boys. It's all all the boys. Um, which I, I can't, can can yeah. say that the, I didn't feel like this like really. is it the, is it doesn't this, this chapter they talk about the dragon the false dragon being caught?
1: Yeah. Uh, so Logain uh, has been caught. There's a few things that happen in this. There's like a lot of like stuff. Obviously, we say goodbye to Tom Drill, Marilyn, your favorite character.
0: Yeah, he's, he's gone. Yeah, so, um, although they do talk about going back to him later.
1: Did he talk about it yeah? It's
0: like, well, there's always the offer of taking <laughs> going on the boat.
1: Yeah, but well, like, he, he gets he gets uh he tangles with the bloody Madral, doesn't he? So like he's, yeah. uh, he's a he's he's gone. But like, um, yeah, there's a few things that happen on on this one. Like obviously Matt and Rand start con- their their tension from the last time we saw them continues mm-hmm. a bit more. Um, Matt's just like you know maybe everyone else is dead and Rand's quite pissed off with this kind of like uh, bit like uh, outlook from Matt He's quite shocked by it. Um, there's obviously the other guy that's on the boat as well, Gleb, who uh, who is seems like a dodgy fella as well. Yeah. And we also get introduced to the hunt of the horn as well. So it's like
0: yeah that that interesting yeah.
1: There's a, obviously the second book is called The Great Hunt yeah So that gives you a if you you know if you're reading this back in 1990 before the second one has been announced it doesn't mean anything to you but if you're someone oh. who's seen the series and you can see what the next book is called it's like hmm, interesting well i so, mean they uh, do
0: a lot of that in yeah. this book i mean you can tell that a lot of chapter na- or book names come from from this book they do yeah yeah they do because they talk um, about new spring they? Yeah,
1: they do talk about New Spring. Yeah, 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 they do talk about that. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of concepts that kind of come back from that, and, and, and a lot of time things that come up. But yeah, so there's a lot of like, um, there's, a, there's a lot of mention of the Horn of Valere in, in this as well. Like, Tom's quite excited about it. Um, he tells a story about how it brings people, heroes, back from the dead, um, which is so it's kind of like um, when I first read this, it reminded me a lot of. The paths of the dead, kind of thing, from um, from Lord of the Rings, like with the, with the dead army and all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously, like uh, you know, the, the the boys think they're being followed by some creepy, creepy guy that's asking questions and everything like that. Who could this creepy guy be? He's making everyone paranoid. Um, and then someone describes the material as well, sort of like, like, go on, let's let's get out of town. <laughs> yeah. Let's get, let's go.
0: But is this is this the chapter where they're in, they're they're going to camp for the night, in the no, in no, the no. inn?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. This is um, this is like, Tom is basically just looking for uh, is looking for um information, isn't he? And then this Gleb, this Gelb fella, um, is in the same inn that they're in, and he starts saying that like, you on a, a boat with these. Two boys and a tr and a gleam and, and uh, trollocs are chasing them.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, because they were talking about that, the innkeeper wants them to stay, and he said you get free room and board if you tell stories. Yeah, and yeah. Tom's like, nah, that's no, nah, I'm good. Yeah,
1: they climb out of the window. Yeah, to make their escape. Like Tom, Tom knows that. Like uh, Tom knows that. Like there's that, that there's dodgy people around, and like people will sell them out for information. So the um. Yeah, so they so they, they they climb out of the window and then 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 like Rand is kinda of like, Why are you helping us? And then we find out a little bit of backstory about Tom. How he had a, he had a nephew called Owen who yeah. had trouble with the Aes Sedai and then he wasn't around to help him and then two years later he died. So obviously that can that's only one you can infer what kind of trouble he was in. It's not often that I men are in trouble with ice dye, and obviously the, the chapter remind you of this at the start when they talk about Legain being captured by the Aes Sedai.
0: Mm. No, I think like that backstory of, of Tom and it gives him a little bit more dimension. And also you understand his, um, well, p- partially you understand his motivation for doing certain things or his, why he is the way he is towards the other characters in the book. It's the same, uh, I'd also like that he takes the role of, a, as a protector of the boy of the yeah. boys. And I was thinking you were talking about the the the, the boatman uh, when we said that he, we we say goodbye to him, not Tom, no. because um, it's the boatman. They talk about going back on the boat.
1: They do, yeah. They, uh, bailed, bailed them on, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But yes, and then then they then they have a they flee again. There's some there's some trouble brewing.
1: Yeah. So like um, Tom, they're in the alleyway, and then Tom leaves. his his, uh, instruments with him and goes off to kind of scout around and then Matt is like oh he's not coming back and Alice and Rand then kind of confronts Matt about him being like paranoid and stuff and like Matt kind of snaps at him then apologises and just says like he doesn't understand how he's not being uh, as paranoid as he is or whatever and then they kind of like make up a little bit and Tom comes back and then they says come on there's, there's uh, trouble in town we need to get out of here and then uh what happens next? What happens to poor old Tom?
0: Well, I mean he uh he goes uh head first into the breach, he I would does. say almost and, and he screams his nephew's name, which is interesting. It. Which so reminds me of it reminds me of Batman.
1: Him. He does get yeah, Batman, yeah. Yeah. Well he tells him to head to the Queen's Blessing in, in Camlin as well, doesn't yeah. he? Before before this, and he, he uh he runs off and and uh, and battles there uh, the fade, and you just hear him. You hear him screaming as the
0: town descends
1: into panic. And uh, and then they they they're off they're off on the road. Then aren't they? That's it. They're gone.
0: Yeah. Well, we don't really know what happens to Tom I mean, um, or can we just assume?
1: Well, what what do what, what would you assume?
0: Well, I assume that he survives and yeah. comes back. Yeah, he kind of does a Gandalf.
1: <laughs> does a no a
0: But it reminded me of um um I don't know if you read, I don't know how much you read comics. We've never talked about comic book reading, you and I. Uh, mm. but I'm obviously have I mean, obviously I I love Batman and I remember when when Nightfall came out, which is the big where where Bane breaks Batman's back. Yeah. And he's kind of like forced into retirement. And Bane release. But what happens is that Bane releases everybody from Arkham Asylum, and Batman has to go out and fight them. Yeah, yeah. Or find them. And he, every time he call, cries out uh, Jason Todd's name, because this is obviously in connection to, to after Jason Todd has been killed by, by yeah, Joker. Yeah. yeah, that kind of reminded me of like this whole like broken person. That is like doesn't have anything else to, to that that gathers his strength from from a fallen um, ward. From fallen ward, yeah.
1: Um yeah, that is interesting. You you learn a little bit more about not not to say if Tom is coming back or not, if he's dead or not, but you, you do um learn a bit more about him when they get to Camlin from uh from his background and why he may not have been around to help his his uh, nephew when he was when he started because obviously his, his, his nephew became was a male channeler mm. and they, they gentled him and he died as, as all men do when they get gentle they they give up they uh, give up their will to live and they die that's what happens to them this is sad really isn't
0: it yes they do <laughs> what a downer yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a funny thing. Like I wonder again. Like are uh, like are they going to change the uh, the um, red Ajar much in in um, the TV series? Because in the books, like each Ajar has like its thing that it does, like it's known for. And the red ones are just known for capturing false dragons and male channelers. But there's not that many of them. Okay. What else do they do? Like, <laughs> Like they're kind of like the slivering of 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 the White Tower, like they're really cut. But I I reckon what they might do is they're like the kind of they police all Sedai mm-hmm. which so a few things that happens later on in the series um, that that might actually work out quite well and make. It, but I reckon that's what they might do because otherwise, like. They they don't do anything other than just pop up every so often and gentle at some some young man who's died after after started channeling um, because like obviously like at the moment there's two false dragons as we're, we're supposed to believe there's false dragons there's tam, there's Taim or Taim as uh, is supposed to be pronounced and uh, Logain and that's very unusual there's usually there's there's decades between false dragons so like what do they do? What what are for it's like? So they, they must have to do. There'll be a change in them, and I'd imagine that they will be like the kind of that uh, they keep all the other Isodai in check.
0: Um, well, we need to uh, speed along here a little bit. Uh, so then we get into shelter uh, from the storm. Uh, actually, we could probably pro- talk about shelter from the storm and. Eyes without pity, which is basically to, together because we're still talking about um, Egwene, Elias, uh, and Perrin here. Yeah, and it's basically just a continuation of the earlier chapter. More that that, Perrin is um, he's kind of talk He he's mulling over this ethical dilemma of the way of the leaf mm-hmm. for himself, and then he has a Dream, yeah, again,
1: he does. Yeah, he has a lot, he has a lot, he has a lot of dreams. Does uh, does Perrin like, um, he seems to be quite you know, and that's something that um links him with the wolves quite a lot because obviously the the wolves seem to do a lot of their kind of communication through dreams as well, Mm.
0: Um, yeah. Because doesn't it basically start that? I mean, he. He can feel the, the wolves and he doesn't really want to feel the wolves. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he kind of has to admit to Igwein that he can. She's suspected it the whole time, but I mean, it comes out that he can.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, there's a weird bit in this bit where like, they're all kind of like, uh, before the dream, like um, they're all kind of dancing. Mm-hmm. Like, Aram like thinks that like, I think he must think that like, uh, Perrin and Egwene or like a, a couple because he's yeah. kind of because he's kinda of like when she starts dancing with uh, with with Aaron and he's like giving him giving him like dirty looks and gloating and stuff, and it's like I don't care. Like I don't care, mate. <laughs> like, well, yeah, not. so there's
0: a bit of there's a bit of um lightheartedness here and then dreams that are a little bit creepy and he kind of um, meets the dark one again.
1: Yeah. So when they're um when he's around the wolves, um, he's having dreams that are normal. So he says like he yeah. actually goes with lengths to say that like there are um he has nightmares but the normal nightmares they're not like the ones that he's been having. And then as soon as like uh, they move away he has a dream with with uh, with Baozermon in it again. But like the Baozermon doesn't seem to see him. And like he's talking about like, and he's saying he, he actually sees him talking to a wolf and the wolf is saying like oh, this protection is just like um, it's rubbish, like it's, you can't protect him from me or anything like that. No. Burns, him, burns him in the dream, doesn't he? Um. And then obviously then like he starts on about the eye of the world again and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's that's an interesting one. What, what do you think all that's about?
0: You know what? I don't really... I don't really know. I mean, there's something about the, the... It was an interesting part because later here, um, they get chased by ravens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the ravens have... Killed, and I mean, I think he makes a point of them having killed uh, foxes. Yeah, and it feels like certain types of animals, and I think maybe ties into the mastiffs as well. Certain types of animals seem to have, uh, be um, maybe more in tune with the the good side. Yeah, of the world, and that I mean that's what the wolves are are about, and that's why the travelers have the mastiffs. I mean, I think that's why Elias has the wolves, and that is why the ravens attack the, the foxes.
1: Hmm. So, maybe Robert Jordan is uh, racially profiling animals.
0: I think he does. I think he loves dog like animals and hates <laughs> birds.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe he does. It's an interesting one. It's kind of a, kind of a fa- fancy trope, though, isn't it? I mean, obviously, sometimes wolves get like uh, a bad rep but not so much in fantasy actually like people fantasy writers seem to quite like wolves yeah in general. um and and birds are just like the the most hellish creatures the
0: <laughs> they're all afraid of birds
1: yeah yeah so uh in this chapter as well when, when they're all saying goodbye like obviously uh perrin is keen to kind of get out of there after this dream and everything um so they're all saying goodbye, and and then, uh, Elias actually gives them the proper formal goodbye, which shocks everyone. <laughs> like, he somehow, some it's, it's like he's it's, it's softened for some reason by by. Yeah, uh, he, he, he obviously has like a, he obviously feels a kinship towards Perrin, but mm. and he can't kind of, think he wants to kind of like impress him a little bit. But I think mean, he has a bit of a soft spot for Egwene as well, because at the end of this chapter, like she talked about how you said before about how like. Uh, Isla was teaching her how to be a woman, and her parents like, "Oh, no one teaches us how to be a man." And she's like, "Yeah,
0: no, that's an interesting aspect too. That's also a little bit of social commentary, I think."
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she says, "Like, well, that's why you do such bad jobs
0: of it," and like, (laughs) like, thinks it's
1: the funniest thing he's ever heard.
0: (laughs) Uh, And then they walk, and then there's a whole bit, you know, about the ravens. And here again, I mean, Raven, we were talking about tropes in fantasy. Uh, a raven must be the most common, commonly used bird in any fantasy world. Yeah. because they, they, they obviously are used as pigeons in, in Game of Thrones. Uh, I think they even do it in, I think Joe Abercrombie does it in his book series. They does send it. ravens. And Bradley Beaulieu does it in his at least in the Winds of Kalakovo, his kind of like Russian-inspired fantasy world.
1: Do you just hate them? Do you just hate birds? Any any bird, like a
0: crow or a raven, is just hated by. But everyone. how is that? is that? Do you think it is? And um, now we're talking about a lot of like Anglo-Saxon type fantasy, obviously, which is the uh, dominating type of fantasy we have. Yeah. Um, but do you think it has something to do with you know the distrust of like you know the thieving magpie in in Anglo-Saxon culture?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it. I think it's. Um, I think it's just. Well, actually, we're skipping ahead of chapter. But we'll talk about Esther. We'll go back to the because we we forgot to talk about the the Nineve chapter. Um, no, but I thought we'd
0: do that later because I think these two oh, tie yeah, into yeah, each other. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that as the last chapter.
1: We'll change things around. We'll change the another. Um, yeah, like um, it, it must be like because obviously, like the Anglo Saxons, like uh, you know their way of life spread out the whole of northern Europe. Um and I think it's that kind of like that image of um, whenever I like that, that image of like you'd hear about battlegrounds and like ravens and crows like mm. just pecking people's eyes out like they they're just like attracted by death, I think like just whether that is true or not, but I, it's just one of those things that kind of got associated with them. Mm. Um, like even if you go back to Odin. Like the, yeah, the, his two ravens. The, the raven pecked out his eye, like you know, it, it, so it's kind of like that's probably where it all came from. Like, and obviously, he got, he got he got, uh, and this, this is something to bear in mind for the wheel of time. <laughs> he, he, uh, he got knowledge, all the knowledge because he lost, yeah,
0: he pecked out his eye and he gave it to, yeah. sacrificed it to.
1: remember remember this it's got a long long payoff a very long payoff Um, but like uh, yeah so that's like and that is something obviously that got spread um, all around Northern Europe even Christianity then kind of like when they kind of like uh, absorbed a lot of that kind of um, myth and culture into theirs they brought some of that into Christianity as well. So it's, it's it's there from like very, very early on. Why? Probably because of that imagery of like when there was battles that like mm. crows and ravens would descend on the battleground and because that's where they would find food. <laughs> like it was no, there's no like other reason for it. It's no. just but, but that association becomes that like, you know, your food, you end up, you, you get killed and your food for the crows basically. Um, and, oh, here comes, uh, here comes the here comes the postman of all my, uh, my books. If, uh, <laughs> my, my debut book is coming. He's bringing them all for me there now. So
0: nice. Nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's actually uh, speaking of that, there is a, I think there's a field down in former Yugoslavia somewhere called the field of crows, which was a, like an old battle field during the, the civil war down there that they call the, the field of crows. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's just where it comes from. And obviously like, you know, um, it just got passed on from that and then because like it's that when you think of like fantasy a lot of it is kind of like northern european based, so it would be like you know that kind of that thing so so
0: in australian fantasy it would be like a carrier wallaby yeah
1: wallabies Uh, (laughs) that country is just designed to kill people like there's everything like it's like it's it's you have to be real tough to live there (laughs) Especially geez, especially when they first started living there. When the when the Europeans first moved there, there must have been some... I'd
0: like to see statistics of how many of the first Europeans who moved there, like, died from just Australia.
1: Everything, yeah. The sun. The <laughs> sun. Um, well, I was going to say then as well, just before about Australian... Like, yeah, because even... I think the other thing as well is that... It's that... Um, it's that this embodiment of evil as well, where they use, uh, they're always watching, Mm -hmm. they're always looking. So they can use birds and stuff like that because they're able to see quickly and see big parts of land and they're able to travel quickly. That's kind of that thing as well. Like, you know, remember like even Lord of the rings with the uh, crabine from Dunland and all that stuff. Like it's, it's that kind of thing that they just use as spies and everything. so yeah i don't know like i'd like to see something different maybe uh the next generation of fantasy writers should uh should make birds more heroic
0: well i mean here the ravens are i mean aren't they basically the eyes of the dark one as well here yeah or the agents and that's why they flee them
1: yeah they're even mentioned very early on like they're, they're mentioned at the very start of the book um about how people would like uh hit them with catapults and stuff <laughs> you know, They're just like persecuted everywhere, really. Like it's just um you know that's just the way it is. Like um so yeah I mean actually when um probably mid 2000s um Eye of the World got kind of relaunched as like a they tried to go to like young adult market and they split mm. the Eye of the World into two books. It was from called From the Two Rivers and the second one was called Two. was it to the eye of the world or something it was called from two rivers and, and to something else i can't remember what the second one was called but then robert jordan actually wrote a new prologue for um for the eye of the world so it had the existing one but then it had another one that was set in the two rivers that was from um the kids point of view when they're oh. a lot younger and it's called ravens well <laughs> And like there's ravens watching them like from there when they're all like uh, playing when they're children and stuff so it's like yeah he has a, he has a real like it's, 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 it's in there from the start like they're, they're, they're used as the, um, the dark one's eyes and they're, they're quite violent as well when they're all together.
0: Well and then they, they managed to get away from them by passing a, like a line where yeah, you, no evil can pass, not even Aes can pass.
1: Yeah, so it's a, a Stedin, is what they call it. Mm. An Ogier Stedin. So like, yeah, so um, they just, uh, these are interesting, the Stedins, so that the ogia which have not been introduced in the, in the book yet, are these like kind of gentle Ogres, I suppose, is the, is the way that mm. you would describe them um, they're very kind of like they love books and they love like the gentle way of life and they, they're basically like ants actually they're like mm. they're like uh, they're like ants but like smaller um, and uh, they've been around for for years they've been around for, for and it, when the breaking of the world happened like a lot of uh, they used to um, allow uh mayolis to die into the steadins and they it would it'd heal them of the madness Temporarily, so they, they couldn't channel and the madness would go away. Um, and then, but as soon as they stepped out of the stead, it just come back to them straight away. So, like, some people, so like, some like historians in, in, in the world would like said that, like, the, the steadings saved the world from being destroyed even worse. And some say it prolonged the breaking of the world because, like, they had all these people that went into the steadings for like decades. Okay. <laughs> like basically, uh, but no, yeah, it's good. And uh, there's a bit nice bit of world building here as well, where where there's the um, talk of uh, uh, Arthur Hawkwing as well, and because yeah. see his and all that kind of stuff. Which they were gonna, uh, they, were, they were gonna build a huge city there, wasn't they? Then it never never happened because of something. Like he's another kind of Arthur Pendragon
0: kind of yeah. Uh, homage. Yeah, we talked about him in an earlier.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. um I'd love to write, like, if I ever became successful enough where I could actually pitch the wheel at Robert Jordan's estate, I'd be like, I, will, I want to write the Arthur Harquin story because, like, there's some great, you find out some great bits about him from, from um, the series and there's, a, there's an amazing story to be told there. Like, if the TV series is successful and they end up doing spin-offs like the Game of Thrones, that's definitely one they could do, which would really appeal to, like, the Game of Thrones crowd as well. Because it's like a lot of like political intrigue and all this kind of stuff. um Yeah, so it's it's, it's a great kind. Of, it's one of the things I love about the world. Eye of the world, like I mean, Wheel of Time, is that you have this like throwaway reference of like one person, and it's just it's, it's it's got like decades of history, and then stuff that he actually does in his history, like really impacts the actual world that they're currently living in, which comes back in in a later book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's um yeah and I mean I think like Joe Abercrombie does that a lot too yeah although he also seems to spin off of that by writing those stories himself
1: yeah he does yeah yeah he does <laughs> he does um well why, why wouldn't you I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure yeah, like I you know one of the things that um I, I don't want we can't really talk about this until the great hunt um but one of the things that Arthur Hawking is kind of responsible for You kind of see in The Great Hunt, and Robert Jordan's original plans were that he was going to do some spin off novels himself after the end of The Wheel uh, Wheel of Time, and one of them would have been set to do with this kind of thing. So it was something that, not like before the events of this, it was going to be set after the events of the series, but it was going to be based on this particular thing. so he was It was obviously something that he liked quite a lot as well that kind mm. of uh, and like yeah it would. and it would have been good to see like whatever ideas that he had and what he wanted to do but I don't think they'll ever get done now because I think um, Brandon Sanderson like people asked him if he would write them and he was saying that basically there was like like a paragraph describing what he wanted to do with these the spin-off novels and that was it and mm. like, there was no it was just it was just
0: an idea Okay, should we talk about the last chapter? Jump back one. Footprints in air,
1: which yes, is basically that,
0: a no, no non entity in a, many ways. Yes. So it's called
1: footprints in air is because we've got stuff about this from the, the white bridge chapter. It's that, that's because of the white bridge itself, like it's yeah. uh, kind of liquid bridge that they think is from made from the. Uh, the age of legends, so the first age. it's mm. been people don't even know how it's been it's been made. Um, some people say it's by Sedai but no one really knows. Um, so yeah, so they basically they they're tracking the boys because uh, they, they decide that like Perrin and Undergoing Mar- are, are fine. They'll 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 sort themselves out. <laughs> out. <laughs> and, uh, they go looking for uh They go looking for. Uh, Matt and Rand and Tom. So they they rock up into White Bridge basically after after uh they've left. Um, no sign of them. Tom's dead. Uh, or, or is he? Yes, no, maybe. Um, and it's just more kind of development between Neneve and Moraine where it's yeah, like definitely said, you're going to be trained as an Aes and all this kind of stuff. So, and again, I think it's more of this like when he had this original plan of having them as like a, a real kind of an antagonistic uh, relationship with each other, which would have probably come to a, like you know he had that kind of uh, he was basing them on on a morrigan um, um, and um, the Mew uh, so they were gonna, like, they're, they're obviously going to be like kind of some kind of resolutions that's somewhere down the line this is one of the chapters that is kind of working towards that where it's like uh, a, a grudging respect is farming from Neneve, but she still doesn't trust moraine and she still doesn't trust do the you think
0: star. do you think that this chapter could have been taken out then seeing as that that relationship isn't really doesn't that doesn't really happen
1: um I don't know not 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 really because I think um Neneve is an important... So is Moraine as well. They're both important characters. I think to lose them both altogether uh, would kind of diminish their importance in in a reader's mind. Like, I mean, it could be done in a different way. Like, I don't think... I'm just
0: thinking taking out this chapter of of these five chapters. Because this chapter, I felt, didn't really do much.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think... um,
0: yeah, or difficult. be incorporated in a different chapter
1: maybe. Yeah, I, I, th- I think they could have just moved it around somewhere else and or even just um, you know, I, I would probably have I've been tempted to I don't know, it's, it's tricky because of the structure of how it does things, like it's like the the important kind of, this is just like firming up, it's, it's, this is just like basically pure character development and it's um. I can see what he's trying to do that he just doesn't want to do the same scene over and over again where it's just like people sat at a a campsite or sat in in talking. they want to do something where they're reacting to something that's just happened in the previous chapter so he's trying to like track that time that's passing as well and show you how far behind Mm. they are Um, and obviously like yeah, it's it's a. I mean, there's a key decision made here as well, where they, they this. I think it is in this one they decide that they're going to go after Moraine, as Egwene and Perrin, because they're like, yeah. well, they're off to Camlin, so that we know where they're going. They're alive, um, and she's like, maybe Tom's with them, maybe is not, but we know we're we're on the same we're on the same side of the river as as uh, Perrin and Egwene, and we, we need to find them. So that's the kind of the key thing that's that's done here. But again, it's one of those things, and I, I said to it before, where I think something may change in the TV series. Mm-hmm. Like this part of the book, like they're just basically roaming around after us, after people trying to decide where they're going to go. And it's not very terribly exciting in, in the book. And it's not terribly exciting visually either. So what I think, it, I, so... If you think about the last white bridge chapter, we've just discovered that Legaine has been ca- has been captured, and we know that they're going to be expanding um role in the TV show. So, the main part of this chapter is Iguain again being told that she's gonna she's she can become an Sedai and she's going to be trained and her mistrust of of Sedai. Now, a great way of doing that is for. Um, this party to come across the party of Aes Sedai that have captured Legane
0: uh-huh.
1: now we know this may be happening actually because there was uh, leaked audition tapes and one of the audition tapes for Nene's character was to her talking to, all the names were all changed and the, and the concept names have changed different but it's basically they were talking about to a group of Aes Sedai who also mistrusted Moraine as well and Moraine mistrusted them, and they were talking about someone that they've just captured. I can't remember the, the they didn't call the dragon. They called them something else, and it was an amazing thing. <laughs> it, was, it was so good. Um, but like, so basically, I think this is what's going to happen in place of this chapter: is that they're going to be on the road and they're going to come across um, this group with with, with low gain, and um, you'll have this kind of. Neneve's mistrust of the Isodai is going to be kind of um, shown more externally by seeing this different groups of Isodai and seeing how they all interact with each other and how they interact with Moraine and then how they interact with her because obviously women can, uh, female channelers can um, can sense how much power another one has and they can sense if someone can channel so they all come across Moraine and they'll see they'll. Uh, feel the power from this wilder, and they'll be like, Well, you come to the tower with us, and Marine, it'll be kind of be like kind of power struggle, kind of thing gotcha. as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the Nevil will hate that because she'll be hating the fact that there's people argue it like treating her like a kind a, of a, a commodity, whereas like she, she'll be like, I'm a person, like, gonna <laughs> go and stuff. <laughs> um, so I think it'll work a lot better as a TV show, and it'll kind of do this chapter in a lot in a in a much more kind of uh, dynamic kind of way, I think. So I think that's what's gonna happen. Like so to answer your question, I would have the stuff that's in this chapter, but doing it in a different way. And I think the people that do the T V show agree as well. <laughs> I thought
0: you were gonna say that they were gonna have a montage. I, where naive learns how to use the uh, the power.
1: There is um in in the second book there's there's uh ample uh situations for montages
0: with and a hope... cool 80s rock track
1: yeah what, what we should do is we should do like an 80s version of like a lute or something like that <laughs> um, i was thinking about that today like I was, I was i was I was driving somewhere this morning like uh before like i was taking the wife to work actually because we're in, we're in lockdown level five again here so like you're not supposed to go out of five kilometers from your home unless you're a essential worker and she is um but you're not really supposed to use public transport either so oh. it's like we have a, like a little letter that i can carry around with me when i'm driving oh, really? uh, <laughs> a permit yeah pretty much um so like uh, so on the way back uh Ollie was my son was reading something in his, in, the, in his seat and I was just kind of just thinking to myself and I was thinking about this was coming up and I was thinking about the other time and I was kind of thinking um I wonder how they're going to tackle the music because it's all like um, music's mentioned especially in these chapters that we've just done music is mentioned quite a lot you have music with Tom you have music with the boys you have music with the travelling people um and it's like. We don't know how people used to, we see lyrics and we see kind of like um, how we've interpreted the music, yeah. but we know how they used to play music. We don't know like the time and how, how they used to, we don't know how certain instruments used to be tuned or how they sound. So it's always something that always fascinates me because I'm a, I am play music. Um, so it's something that always like fascinates me is when you'd have these fancy things, just how do they how are they going to adapt it to make it sound not just how we think all that kind of music sound are they going to do something different like a lot of them sidestep it nowadays by just doing like a score and they're like yeah just yeah. do a score um, uh or like shanara i think used rock music i think because it was mtv i think that's what they, they went through um but yeah, I wonder because there's another there's another franchise that was I don't, I don't even know if it's been developed or not and even the third book isn't even out yet after about ten years after second, which is the King Killer Chronicles. Yeah. Where um, you know, which is very, very heavily based on music and like the the main character is like a musical prodigy and it always kind of fascinates me. It's like, well how are you gonna how are you gonna get that across that like this music is Different and and good and like everything. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that that aspect, especially in these chapters, because obviously, like, it's, it's it's. I don't know if he meant to do it or if it was just something that just happened, but like, pretty much every single chapter has something to do with music in this this sequence.
0: <laughs> of it. But I mean, I mean, there was a wasn't there a sh- soundtrack released? I mean, many many years ago, like a there's a there's a Wheel of Time c- CD, I guess
1: it would have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. I never actually
0: listened to it. No, no me neither. I listened no, to the Discworld no. one and it's not that great.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's why Like I've heard a few of them. Um, and obviously, The Wheel of Time had a, had a video game that came out as well around that time which had some music in it which was just like standard kind of like fantasy score. It was... Um, you can actually still get the game that you can get it on god.com, I think. It's like... A, it's, it's it's based on... You remember Hexen and Heretic? Yeah, kind of do spin-offs. It it's it's the same engine as that, and you're um you're playing you, you're you control an ice sedai, and it's set just before the Eye of the World, and um, so it's like a first-person shooter, as an ice sedai. So you're it's, like you're channelling, so, so channeling so weeds at people and everything, like uh, at trilocks. There was,
0: was um was a game called Ishtar. Yeah, that was like yeah. that, because that yeah, yeah. was mad. I because mean, obviously Hexen. And heretic weren't they just regular shoot ups there has been kind years
1: like, they had magic in them as well so there was there were shoot shoot-em-ups but like you had like the, they were, essentially it was just like magic was a was a was a gun so you'd have like you could use magic from the hand but you also would have like rods and stuff like this which would be a gun basically um, but that's what this was as well like you, you had like um, she just channeled weaves at people <laughs> And, um, well, not people, it was like Trollocs and Shadow Spawn and various other stuff like that. So it was actually not bad, actually. Um, <laughs> it's worth checking out, like if you if you can hunt it down. it's, it's uh, I think it came out in like 1998, 99, 2000, which I think actually was like kind of. It wasn't like the peak, maybe it was peak Wheeler time, because it was just before Crossroads and Twilight came out and like the previous few books all have, have been number one bestsellers in the New York Times list, like, you know, the, it was pretty big and obviously Robert Jordan was still writing them at that point and um, obviously the internet was just getting big as well, so it was kind of like they were really, really aggressively branching out into, So I mean, that's when I first started reading it because I saw um, Subway I saw No, I saw Subway, <laughs> I, Subway posters of, the, of of New Spring coming out Crossroads Twilight, one of them. I, mean, was, I think it was Crossroads Twilight. They were in the. There were posters of them in 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 uh, the underground in Liverpool, like bizarrely. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine going somewhere like that now and seeing even nowadays? Could you imagine going seeing there seeing like posters of an upcoming book, uh-huh. like wasn't uh, something like a Harry Potter or, or uh-huh. something like?
0: They do like, they do do that here though for um for like uh, like Swedish detective stories. Oh yeah, like I mean, that's that's you'd see that more, what like fantasy stuff, like yeah, no,
1: that's never. So so back then, like into so they, they were aggressively at the time, I think, trying to like expand like the the readership of the series mm. and the soundtrack and video game and everything. and obviously now we're we're gonna we get to experience all that again twenty years later because like next year is going to be a massive massive year for Wheel of Time, I think. Mm. Um, which, uh, We'll we we'll be a part of as well,
0: a small yeah. part. Of, but we'll
1: be a part of it too.
0: Well, that was that for those these five chapters. I think they were very interesting chapters, and there's some things that were you know better, some things that were dull. But I mean, overall, I think a, a great. Um, I mean, character building chapter. Yes, yeah.
1: character and world building, and not just in terms of world building, in terms of like, this is a place for these people that live here. <laughs> this is how these people live. And this mm. is their like philosophy, which is, I think is like probably one of the strongest aspects of, um, Robert Jordan's writing, I think. Mm. So next, next, uh, next time we're going to be doing children of shadow play for your supper Four Kings in shadow and the dark weights, which yes. is, uh, and then sorry, the, the last, the last village as well is going to come in there which I actually think are five really really strong chapters I'm really looking forward to talking about these ones cool. um so where do you think right now again where do you think the story is going
0: well I mean now I I, I, I don't know I think they're they're I I feel like it's time for them to meet up with each other if nothing else, I'm thinking that Moraine and, and Land and, and Nynaeve are going to meet up with Egwene and, and Perrin, I think. Um, but kind of like the same with Samwise and, and Frodo, I think Rand and Matt are going to go their own path. I'm going to say that they might encounter, encounter White Cloaks again. Because I feel like that they need something more. Antagonistic happening that causes them to go on their own path.
1: Okay. Well, Matt, Matt and Rand and yeah.
0: that was
1: Interesting. 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 <laughs> we'll find out next week.
0: Yeah, we will. <laughs> or in two weeks, actually. Two weeks, yeah, two weeks.
1: Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so um, yeah, good, good good discussion again. Can't wait to talk about the next set of chapters that yes. are, if you're like Any news from you? Personal news? Any news? Uh, no, uh, apart from my books just being delivered, so've um, I have uh, my, my first kind of like single author uh, book. It's out on the 14th of November on ebook and paperback, although the paperback you can get right now because they've released it earlier, which, which is great. Um, so they're on Amazon. Uh, it's called "Dead Man Walking," and it's the start of a series. It's an urban fantasy series. Um, with a twist, and it's been getting great reviews. It's got seven five-star reviews on Goodreads so far from the arc reviewers. It's got, I think, four five stars on Amazon as well from the kind of advanced readers so far. So yeah, it's been it's been well received at the moment. Um, so hopefully that continues to be to to do so. And uh, I've been asked to do the sequel, so I will be doing the sequel for that. It's going to be a bit bigger than this one. It's only a short read, so yeah.
0: Cool, cool. Uh, Yeah, I'm plugging along on on my tech noir story. That should be out in December, hopefully. It will be serialized next year. Um, But I'm not going to say anything more than that. It's a little bit hush-hush. Otherwise, face of fear, just Amazon.se just launched yesterday. So now Amazon is uh, available in Sweden. So for all the Swedish listeners, you can actually buy Face of Fear uh, from from Amazon, paperback and e-book, uh, and Scary Snippets, Campfire Edition. For some reason, only those two books are available that I'm part of. I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're launching, they're kind of like adding stuff as, as they go along. Maybe.
1: Who knows? You should check out Face of Fear. I just finished reading. It's really good. Well, so. thank you
0: thank you and we'll be doing a podcast interview for the guild where you can ask me all your questions and i'm thinking about doing a sequel good you should i already right. have a i already have a title for it actually monsters and angels oh yeah that'll, that'll work
1: nicely You should definitely do something even if it's just something that's set in the same um time frame and place or something because mm-hmm. you've, you've done a lot of groundwork for like um building like a universe there so you should definitely take advantage
0: of it yeah i did get some critique from people who live that are part of the racine historical society because i had said you know obviously there's some liberties with with historical ac- accuracy there's never any mafia in in racine and stuff like that and they're just yeah. like well that's just a uh, excuse for not doing your research properly it's just like <laughs> yeah no
1: no <laughs> artistic limiter it's great for yeah. yeah it's a great thing
0: yeah but um, you should stay clear of historical society
1: yeah, yeah yeah definitely that's the way that's the way that's why we try and do fantasy instead
0: yes exactly <laughs> uh, well that uh, that uh, wraps up uh, this edition of using the reader come back in two weeks to listen to us and uh, for David Green my name is Chris Mary Holtman and do you want to talk us out
1: Have to remember it till the next turning of the wheel. Perfect.